following podcast is explicit. So mom, you're going to want to turn this off. On today's episode of Mouthful of Marvels, there isn't an episode of Mouthful of Marvels. Welcome to Pimisodes, everybody. A while back, I asked the internet if there would be anyone willing to offer his or her own opinion on all things Marvel Cinematic Universe in these Pimisodes, uh, for them to be a bit of a correspondent, if you will. And who answered the call? But none other than Dave and Brandy. Now, you've heard Dave once before on the podcast when he provided some haikus uh, that were basically just a summary of the different movies. Uh, something that I really enjoyed. I thought that was very clever. Uh, a cool addition to an episode. Um, and it also uh, saved my bum bum because that's the episode that I deleted like the first 15 minutes. So threw that in. Thanks, Dave. Uh, so you'll probably recognize Dave if you listen to the Avengers episode. Um, and also we have Brandy. Uh, and so Brandy will be new to the program, and I hope you enjoy uh, the two of them uh, together as one. But first, I want to announce our latest affiliate, something that I'm really excited about, and it's Loot Crate. If you haven't heard of Loot Crate, it's basically a quote-unquote Comic-Con in a box. Loot Crate offers three different subscription plans, so sign up for one that best suits your wallet. Loot Crate is a monthly mystery crate for gamers, geeks, and fans of pop culture, delivering cool and often exclusive items like collectibles, t-shirts, gadgets, and more. There's a $45 uh, or greater value in every crate. And here's another thing, gang. If you go to our website, mouthfulofmarvels.com, and click on the support button, you can sign up through our website, sign up for a Loot Crate subscription, and save $3. (laughs) That's $3 you can spend on anything. What do you want? A house? A boat? You can spend that $3 on anything, as long as it costs $3. Uh, another way to support the show, of course, is to just donate directly. And anything uh, that you can donate or are willing to donate, we appreciate. Um, okay, yeah, well, let's let's uh, let's do this. Hey there, Marvel heads, right. or is it Marvel mouths? Either one works for me. Bet you guys are wondering, who are these people? Well, we're going to tell you. It's like the Brood in the X-Men. Or like the Skrulls. The Skrulls do that Because too. they can shapeshift. Yep. Jordan put out some feelers for hosts of the Pimisodes. Don't you love that, Pimisodes? Because it's a yeah, I got Hank it. Pim and they're, they're tiny. And he's, tiny. He's, he's well, Ant-Man. If you quit rambling, this will actually be a Pimisode <laughs> and not a full-length segment. I'm Dave. I'm Brandy. But you know, our credentials were both big Marvel fans. You've probably been a fan longer than I have. Well, my first comic book was Captain America. And I think I was around five or six the first time I read a Captain America comic. So that makes it about 36 to 37 years, almost 38 years. I've been a Marvel fan. That's probably around the same time I started getting into superheroes with 
the Captain Marvel television series actually called Shazam. Yeah, and I hate it when people call him Shazam. <laughs> yep, and then the Batman television series, you know, the 60s one that well, they played reruns of. Ad nauseum. It wasn't until the mid to late 80s that I started collecting comics. I was an X-Men guy, so that's my expertise, but also a no. huge fan of this revival this golden age of superhero movies especially yes. in marvel cinematic universe yes i agree because finally they are doing them right because i'm not even going to talk about the previous incarnations of captain america <laughs> or daredevil or daredevil <laughs> or the punisher <laughs> hey thomas jane wasn't that bad but it no, just it the, wasn't the character the Dolph lundgren one yeah. yeah i like thomas jane one that's actually better than it has any right to be as we're talking about the marvel cinematic universe I do have an issue with their villains, and that's what this episode's going to be about. And you're a bit more apologetic, and so you can kind of defend them. I wouldn't say apologetic. Okay, but... then you're, you don't think it's as big a deal as I do. No, I don't. For I like the villain to be his own story. He's, he's the hero of his own story. Mm -hmm. And that's what you get with the Hans Gruber. Darth Vader's got a touch of that. Well, no one goes around telling themselves, I'm going to do the wrong thing. <laughs> Granted, the Netflix series approach to the villains with Daredevil and Jessica Jones has been a lot better, but they have a lot more time to explore the backstory of the villain and to give them motivation. Well, yeah, if you're going to do that, then that's fine. You can develop a villain more cautiously and completely when you have, you know, 13 episodes. But when you have two hours, you can't construct an entire life story during that time. Especially with these early films where you're introducing the hero and you have his origin story. It's hard to include the villain as well. Well, with Iron Man, it's Obadiah Stane. As far as names go, pretty good indication he's going to be a bad guy. <laughs> I mean, Stain is not exactly the name you give a hero. Well, I thought, actually, that Obadiah Stain was a very good villain in Iron Man because he had Tony where he wanted him, and he right. was supposed to get rid of him. He, Tony was supposed to die. And uh, instead, this whole situation changed his life and made him want to change the company, and that fucked with Obadiah's <laughs> plans. And so he's like, well, fine, I'm done with you. He wanted to run everything, and he wanted to do it the way he wanted, and he just um, decided that he was going to do a lot of bad things and kill a lot of people to get there. I liked the backstabbing corporate part of it. Oh, yes. But once he just becomes the warmonger in the end, it's just Tony versus a bigger version of Iron Man. Yeah, but he's crazy. Yeah, and so it's like... Iron suit versus iron suit. Him ripping parts out of his suit. Yeah. You don't know enough about this. I'm smarter than you, and I know how to disable you. Oh, the whole icing thing mm -hmm. that he didn't compensate for high yeah. altitude. Yeah. How'd you get the, through the icing problem? Icing problem. This looks important. I'm going to pull this yeah. out. Yeah. Hey, this looks... <laughs> <laughs> Looks like you need this. Jeff Bridges is so delightfully evil. And playing against type, because he usually doesn't play a villain. No. He often, I mean, he's the dude. He is the so dude. So see him being sinister like that it, works really well. It reminds you that he's a really good actor. I think it's funny how he's just like, yeah, yeah, I'll shave my head. And then once he'd done it, he was like, oh, wow, I shaved my head. <laughs> <laughs> and his epic beard. Yep. He looked uh, like the... Uh, Surgeon General. It was a, a little while into the movie before I realized that it was Jeff Bridges. Mm -hmm. He was just that much of a chameleon in this. So The voice kind of gives it away. Yeah. 
So, uh, so I, I don't really have a problem with him as a villain. I don't really know who else you would have as a villain because Iron Man was so new. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have time to make enough enemies, and so one of those enemies is going to come from within. It is a good introductory villain and somebody that Tony knows. With the Incredible Hulk, you have the Abomination. And so you start to develop a trend of your hero fighting the antithesis of him, you know, the the same kind of concept of this gamma-infused monster against a gamma-infused monster. The reason the abomination is so horrible is because this guy wanted to do this to himself, and he wasn't the most stable mental person to begin with, which Tim Roth is very good at everything ever in the history of ever. It's hard for me to see him as a villain because I just really love him, but he plays <laughs> villains a lot. He's really good at it. So yeah, it's a it's a matter of, no, I want to become this horrible thing. And so, you know, you've got the guy who accidentally did it. Mm-hmm. And so he's, even as the Hulk, he's still got this mindset that he just doesn't want to do rampant destruction. Well, he's the epitome of the reluctant hero. Yeah. Because... The whole Jekyll and Hyde thing is he doesn't want to become that monster for fear of what results might happen. You know, might injure somebody, kill somebody. Meanwhile, you have Roth as this veteran mercenary who's starting to slip because of his age, wanting to get back to his youth. You know, even in the film, he talks about how with the knowledge and the training he has now, if he had a younger man's body, he'd be unstoppable. You have little touches of that. Here we even introduced another villain that, if they'd done a sequel to that, is the scientist that was supposedly trying to help Bruce heal, mm, but wasn't that really. wasn't really. And he had the injection in his head, so he would have been super intelligent. Abomination is really the only way you're going to go in that movie. Well, how many things can a Hulk really fight? And we're not up to Hulkbuster yet. We just only barely had Iron Man, so you can't do that yet. As with Ang Lee's Hulk, they really had to decline him because after 9-11 with the invasion of Iraq, there's so much support of the troops. When the Incredible Hulk, his major villain is, is the American military. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And you can't really do that in a post-9-11 world, you know, because the Hulk is really meant for Vietnam era, where there was criticism regarding the U.S. government and its use of the military. You can't shy away from stuff like that, which is what Ang Lee did, and it was the wrong decision because that was a terrible movie. And it was very much like the old animated G.I. Joe series where a plane would blow up and then you'd see the guy in the parachute or, yeah. you know, he'd toss a tank and people would climb out perfectly okay. And you're like, this is the Incredible Hulk. Mm-hmm. If he's going to smash you, you're probably going to die. It's not the entire military. It's simply... General Ross, who controls his part of the military, because not everybody is General Ross. <laughs> nope. General Ross is an asshole. Yeah, he's got a hard on for the Hulk. He's like wants to use that for the military's gain. And because of that, abomination happens. And I guess because it was military funded or something, he thinks it's government property. You know, the, the yeah. gamma radiation inside Banna. That's not how it or- works. Bruce Banner. Banner? Banner. I'm getting him confused with the actor. <laughs> let's Bruce not. Banner. Let's just leave the Ang Lee one alone, okay? <laughs> yep. I well, I forget that it exists. Well, the general moves into the sequel as well, although there is a recasting. I wouldn't even call it a sequel. Yeah, kind of a reboot. It was a reboot. True enough. Iron Man 2 mm-hmm. has two villains, which is 
The thing they tend to do with sequels. And- <laughs> if you can consider Justin Hammer a villain. Well, he's, <laughs> I believe, a lot more competent in the comic oh, book. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They went a different direction, and I kind of understand why they did. And his name is not Ivan. It's Ivan. It's Ivan. They wanted him to be the big bad because he had an axe to grind. Now, granted, Justin Hammer kind of did, too. Mm-hmm. But his thing is not to just flat out do it. His thing is to command somebody else to do all of his work for him and then reap the rewards. Right. And he just dismissed Ivan as not being all of that smart. <laughs> I mean, smart enough to do the things that he wanted him to do, but not smart enough to overthrow him, which is basically what he does. One's using the other, because Justin Hammer's using Whiplash to develop these iron suits. Meanwhile, Whiplash is doing his own damn thing and making the drones. Mm -hmm. So they're both double-crossing one another, which is typically what should happen when you get two villains together. Absolutely. And while I like Sam Rockwell's performance, especially during the jet dinner scene, you know, the shit oh, in yeah. ice cream and stuff, is you look at his hands and they're orange from the spray on tan, you mm-hmm. know? Well, he's just orange under those fluorescent lights, and mm. I I know that was a choice. Yeah, and the whitened teeth, though. Yeah. With him being so incompetent, he kind of loses his menace, any threat, and I do like the final fight scene. In the botanical garden dome. That one's weird because of Mickey Rourke's performance, because he's kind of an odd guy anyway. I've never been a fan. Some um, choices he makes is like, okay... Because it's an interesting character, you know, the sins of the father kind of thing. You know, his technology was stolen by Howard Stark. and He's going to seek his revenge on the son. But was the technology stolen? No, mm. it actually wasn't. <laughs> yeah. They developed it together, and then Yvonne's father was selling secrets back to the Russians. Yep. Now with Thor, we get the introduction of what I believe universally people consider to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe's strongest villain so far. Oh, yeah. Which would be Loki. And with that, you have the whole of the comics, the whole of Norse mythology to pull from. And you have motivation. He's resentful. It's the brother battle thing from the monomyth. Knowing anything about the comics, you are automatically know he's not a good guy. But in the beginning, he doesn't really seem that bad. But then he finds out that he's not who he thought he was. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's the tipping point for him. Yeah, I could see how that could break somebody is, Mm -hmm. you know, not just finding out you're adopted, but finding out that you're an entire different race. Mm -hmm. You come from an entirely different realm. And and that you were left to die because you were inadequate. So now he has even more to prove. That's what you get is an inferiority complex to somebody who's actually a narcissist. So Mm -hmm. to combine those two things, no wonder he's so twisted. It's kind of sad because he has these little glimmers of a somewhat decent person, but they don't stay around for long. And the only people that could ever bring them out in him were his mother. Right. Uh, adopted mother, Frigga, and, and Thor, really. Other than that, just one little thing could just tip him off into the dark side again, and he's killing everyone in his path. Odin is considered to be a father figure. I mean, one of the great father figures from myth. Yet, he doesn't seem to be a very good parent, because look at how Thor was raised that ego on him, and then Loki to be kind of a backbiting, resentful person. Mm. It's like, I don't think Odin did all that good of a job. And Frigga is not that great of a mother either. We weren't around to see their upbringing, so <laughs> it's difficult to say. Well, we do see the final product. Parents can only do so much. There's there's other factors there. So I'm not going to say, yeah, it's all on Odin and Frigga. <laughs> yes. 
in the case of Loki, there is some nature going on in there. Right. And they say, oh, you can overcome your nature with nurture, but that's not necessarily always true <laughs> and vice versa. He's the one that has all of the illusions and the magic that his mother taught him. And he's really good at it. I mean, he was probably on par with Frigga. He didn't use it to do anything really good. He just used <laughs> it to fuck with people. Oh, yeah. That's so always that, the trickster god. Yeah. So that, that was a signal right there. But, you know, finding out that after however many hundreds of years that you're not who you thought you were and your parents have been lying to you your entire life. That kind of betrayal can destroy a person. In any case, he's hella fun to watch. <laughs> and there's that Shakespearean thing that Kenneth Branagh brought to Thor. Nobility, that society, it's the eldest son that gets everything. And so if you're not the eldest son... You're shit out of luck and got to do your own thing. Captain America, the first Avenger, you get the Red Skull. Of course. Who else is it going to be? And once again, you have the flip side of Captain America's the super soldier serum working badly, bringing out all the worst elements of a person. Mm -hmm. He wanted to take the serum and Erskine said, no, it isn't ready. And so he worked on it himself and did that to himself and made him even more wrong in the head than he <laughs> already was. And he was pretty wrong in the head to start. Well, to the point where he was even going astray of the Nazi party. and Oh, completely yeah, astray of the Nazi party. The Nazis were even against him. That's actually one of my favorite scenes is when the Nazis are like, yeah, Hitler's done with you. <laughs> and and then he takes him into the room with the weapon that he's created and they don't know it yet. And they're standing there and he's like, he's looking at the machine and then he's lining them up. Okay, I got one here, here, here. All right, let's do this. And then just starts <laughs> killing them. But are they really dead? Because we do know that the Tesseract actually transports matter from one end of the galaxy to the other or whatnot. Interesting. So are any of those people actually dead? Mm. I'm pretty sure the Red Skull's still out there somewhere. Then with the Avengers, we get Loki again, pulling a Joker, getting caught on purpose so he can escape and take down the helicarrier. Because someone is pulling his strings, though he would not admit, admit that in a bazillion years. Basically, he thinks he's using Thanos to get what he wants, and Thanos is just using him to get what Thanos wants, and neither of them win. <laughs> if, if people want to bitch about villains, Thanos is the lamest one so far. That's what I'm thinking, too, because they keep building him and building him, but everybody he hires to work for him lose. Yeah, it's like, okay, so you already had the Mind Stone, uh -huh. right? And you put it in this scepter and you give it to Loki and you lose it. Yep, and that becomes the vision. Loki had access to the Tesseract. You could have grabbed him then. That didn't work out either. Tesseract also... <laughs> An infinity stone. You send Ronan out to get another stone. Mm -hmm. And Ronan turns on him and takes it for himself. It's like, seriously, at what point do you stop having lackeys do your work? You are a fucking titan. <laughs> Go out there and do it your own goddamn self. And we don't even get to that point till Age of Ultron. Yep, and that's what the after credit sequence. And it's not even an after credit sequence, it's a mid credit sequence. <laughs> it's like it took you at the end of phase two to decide to go out and do it yeah, yourself. Because it's just like, <laughs> what are you doing with all of your time? You're just sitting, you're literally mm -hmm. sitting around and bitching at other people. Yeah, if they're trying to build him up as to be something to be feared, it's not quite working yet. No, it's not. And I hope that they get their shit together where that's concerned because yeah. Thanos should be terrifying. <laughs> and so far, he is like like a declawed cat. 
He bites a lot, but, yeah. you know, basically all you have to do is just keep your distance and you're fine. With Iron Man 3, we have Extremis and AIM. Aldrich Killian. Again, we have could be Tony, but isn't Tony. But we're not dealing with Iron Suits anymore. We're dealing with weird little bio feedback system that allows them to burn hot and... Do horrible, horrible yeah. things to people. It looks like another variation of the super soldier serum, which you get throughout their Marvel universe. Yeah, well, they've been trying to recreate it all this time. Get Still getting it wrong. That and Jessica Jones. It's interesting because you think that the Mandarin is the villain, and it's not. And in fact, in one of the Marvel shorts, you find out what happens <laughs> to Trevor when the real Mandarin finds him. Because <laughs> there is a real Mandarin, and it wasn't Aldrich Killian, I can tell you that. The Mandarin's tough because in the comics, at least the classic comics, it's a very racist figure. Oh, very racist, yeah. I mean, he's named the Mandarin, after all, in Chinese and Ten Magical Rings. It's hard to present that. I mean, once we get into Doctor Strange, and now that we have Guardians of the Galaxy, you can really get into Marvel's weird shit. But the Mandarin is way out there. And so to present him as this uber-terrorist, I thought was clever. And then the reversal is funny, but I could see how fans could be angered at the presentation of the Mandarin as this drunk actor. But it's not the Mandarin, so it is not a representation of the Mandarin. Get the fuck over it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not too upset about that, but the aim extremist thing didn't interest me too much. It's like another variation of a theme. But then I wasn't a big fan of Iron Man 3 either. Thor the Dark World, probably the worst villain, is the uh, Dark Elves. I don't find them very interesting. I don't get their motivation, just wanting to destroy all the realms and make it all dark. They don't want to destroy all the realms. They just want to bring darkness, oh, darkness to the entire galaxy slash universe. Galaxy, right. They thrive in the darkness, hence them being called the Dark Elves. They, they're creepy. Yeah, they're their, kind of... They're weird elf doll masks. Yeah, elf doll slash stormtrooper. It's like some weird blend of all those things. Yeah, the, the only terrifying thing about them is the cursed. Those guys are fucked up. Yeah. Super fucked up. And that's typical of a lot of action movies. It's, it's the henchman that's the more dangerous one, because your villain's the mastermind behind the big plan, while it's your henchmen that execute the plan. The cursed are very frightening. You could have used more of it. <laughs> well, there were so few of the Dark Elves left. That, yeah. Yeah. A Winter Soldier. The yes. Winter Soldier himself. Once again, it's a counterpart, but at least it's somebody from Steve's past. Yeah. And, of course, the big bad is Hydra. And the fact that S.H.I.E.L.D. had been infested with Hydra agents and had no knowledge of it. Even Nick Fury behind the whole system of creating the three super helicarriers. Project Insight. That he realized too late that that was a really bad idea. Mm -hmm. This isn't freedom. This is fear. I love what Zola says about it. We created a world so chaotic that people are finally willing to give up their freedom to ensure their security. The thing is, there is no such thing as safe. Nope. Illusion of safety. If someone wants to kill you badly enough, they are going to find a way. She had to know she's a former assassin. Dave! <laughs> My God! Zola is one of my favorites, and I love the electronic, you know, computer version of him. And yeah, all those old precursor 80s. to um, MODOK. Very nifty interpretation of MODOK. Very sinister in that algorithm of finding people who would resist, and therefore they should be eliminated. Guardians of the Galaxy, another boring villain for me. Well, my issue with hmm. Ronan is that you're in this distant galaxy. You know, Marvel's approach to its space stories. Mm. And so you're already removed, and then you're dealing with 
this religious zealot and there's just nothing to relate to him, you know? He's just so odd that his motivation is odd, his character's odd. The people he wants to crush, you don't really know that well, so the stakes are kind of low, in my opinion. The Xandarians and the Kree have been at war for a very long time. Yeah. And so when the treaty happens, there are understandably some people who are not happy with it. Ronan is probably the loudest of them. And he decides he's going to take matters into his own hands and just wipe out Xandar. You know, it's that mindset of a religious zealot, wipe out your enemies. I can see their hands being a bit tied because how can you include all that backstory in one movie? Well, you don't really need to. They tell you enough. Yeah, they tell you an exposition, but there's not enough there for me to place my bets on either side. You know, mm. that's, I'm really not invested in either side of the battle. I'm more with the heroes. And so if the heroes are against Ronan, I guess that's where my allegiance goes. Well, you should be against anyone who wants to use an infinity stone to destroy planets. <laughs> I suppose so. Ultron. Ultron. They went a really weird route with the creation of Ultron. Yeah, they had Tony kind of responsible for making him when it was more like, oh, here's this strange artificial intelligence this enemy of ours is working on. I'm going to put it in a robot drone and send it out to defend the world. I don't think that they were working on it. <laughs> I think, think that it the artificial intelligence was left over from the Chitari technology. And Ultron's such a weird movie. It's really convoluted. So it's like, how much was Tony responsible? How much was the Scarlet Witch? She just played on his fears. Right. But he was already thinking about Ultron. And I found it odd that Ultron was fully formed at the start. I would have preferred, though they didn't have time to do this, but if they had had Ultron in a previous film as what he's supposed to be, his servant and defender... And have him gradually turn instead of immediately. It would have been interesting to see the corruption take place over time rather than immediately. My favorite is when he's, when Tony sees him again and says, Have you been juicing? I don't want to say you look puffy. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the performance, though. Oh, God, yes. You couldn't get anybody better than James Spader to do that. Yeah, even the mannerisms and the, the little touches showing that... Tony Stark, you know, his build is in there with the snarkiness. I don't know. I think I feel like it's something that should have been like a two-parter movie. Yellow Jacket. Uh, similar territory. Could be an Iron Man villain because it's the same kind of setup where he's in the organization that mm -hmm. Hank Pym created and then got ostracized because he wasn't sharing information and he was not helping S.H.I.E.L.D. like he should. Or they thought he should. I personally on Hank Pym's side of things. Absolutely. Especially after Hydra had infested them. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, guys, you're doing things the wrong way. I'm leaving. But Yellow Jacket, once again, it's an alternative version of what the hero is. You know, the suit that shrinks. But it makes sense because Darren Cross, God love him, not really, he was ambitious and ruthless, but he wasn't completely crazy until he started mm -hmm. researching the Pym Particle and just didn't properly shield himself from exactly. the effects of said particle. That's why the Ant-Man suit has a helmet <laughs> and <Yeah>. regulator. <laughs> so. It's like having a crack in the foundation and mm -hmm. eventually it splits and the house collapses. Again, it's a bit of that super soldier serum thing where it corrupts what's corruptible. One of the great end battles, I think, watching them shrink and then grow and then shrink again and in the suitcase with the cure playing. I'm going to disintegrate or, you! It's actually a briefcase, wasn't playing it? Playing disintegration by <laughs> The Cure. <laughs> I 
had a bit of a spoiler to what the big bad in Civil War is going to be. And I did not know that. And it's like, oh, interesting. If it comes to be, it might be people who know the comics better. Don't tell me. Interesting. I really honestly do not want to know. We're about a month away from the Mm -hmm. movie. And I'm not going to spoil it because it was a spoiler for me. It's like, oh, if it comes to be, that's... Yeah. I enjoy movies so much more when I don't know what's coming. And that's why for me, when we saw Age of Ultron, I was absolutely tickled pink when I realized (laughs) that that was the vision. I'm like, yes! So Yeah, that had been spoiled for me, so I was like, uh, I know mm-hmm. what's going to happen, so me. I guess in summation, to me, a lot of the villains have been bland. Like we were saying, just an alternate version of the hero, which makes sense. It's the whole shadow of the hero. You know, you have him fight off his shadow personality. It's deeply mythological, and that's what these are. They're modern myths. You're dealing with the stuff the ancient Greeks did. Yeah, well, who else is going to be a match for the hero? Yeah, they're demigods, and they're all battling, so you... Yeah. You have a shadow battle, but there's only so many times you can do a shadow battle before they start getting a bit dull and repetitive. It'd be interesting to see more different takes on the villain, you know, something that's not just the reverse of the hero. That's where Ronan is the one thing Mm. that sticks out because he's he's an oddball. He's not a shadow of anyone. Yeah, he's very left of center. And Mm -hmm. it might be too extreme the other direction. I know I'm being picky. It's like, well, that's way out there. We're dealing with a whole different part of the galaxy. But Thanos could be that, too, because he's something that they haven't encountered quite yet. And they keep teasing him. So they better land that triple somersault. Yeah, my question is, is Lady Death going to ever make an appearance? Because she is inextricably tied to Thanos. (laughs) Yeah, be funny if it's from the Sandman. Different universe. Different universe. (laughs) (laughs) To give Marvel its due with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's really following the comics because Marvel villains in the comics tend to be pretty bland as well. Mr. Sinister, Mesmero. I mean, there's Magneto. He's awesome. Doctor Doom's pretty damn cool. Loki's cool. And the rest of them are like, "Mm." (laughs) you know? Yeah, well, I hate to break it to you, but it seems true of the DC Universe. No, DC Universe has a great collection of villains because if you really? look at batman's rogues gallery if you basically took like a book of mental illnesses there's somebody for each one you know your antisocial personality disorder with the joker your yeah yeah, yeah. multiple okay. personality fine. batman fine but i'm talking about the rest of the dc universe oh like brainiac and lex luthor yeah the yellow lanterns yeah because see again it's, it's the same story Oh, yeah, it's the inverse of what your hero is. Yeah, especially the Green Lantern stuff. But with Superman, it's very different because Lex Luthor, it's whatever the villain is of the day. He's the epitome of it. So when people had a deep suspicion of science, he was a mad scientist. When it was politics, he's a politician. When it's business, he's a businessman. Now, whatever the big bad is in our world, Lex Luthor is the representative of that. Yeah, but he's not really a direct villain to Superman. Mm. Because Superman could kill him Ah. in a second. The only real enemies that Superman has is either someone who knows magic or another Kryptonian. So, like, Zod. Those are really the only real villains to Superman. If you look at Spider-Man's villains, I mean, that's not in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but a lot of them are quite silly. Dr. Octopus... Green Goblin, Rhino, the Savage Hunter guy, whatever his name is. <laughs> I forget it. Yeah, it yeah, the Sinister Six, you know, Electro. You know, they're kind of oddball. Well, if this interested you at all, 
You can hear us wax geeky at our podcast, The Dark Corner Podcast, which is on gentlemansdrawinghouserecords.com, which also features a horror and cult movie podcast called Strange and Deadly, where they review the Section 3 movies that were on the Video Nasties adjacent list. And then there's also the very popular Twilight Zone podcast. Indeed. Which is probably one of the best produced podcasts out there. (laughs) Ever, really. A lot of research goes into it. Yes. So our... Host Tom really knows his stuff when it comes to the Twilight Zone. I guess we never really said how we know Jordan and, and Mike <laughs> and Aiden and Joe. We is, know them um, personally. The Comedy Loft is where they've performed and do continue to perform. I was thinking the stand-up as well because Mike's in Chicago now. And stand-up has been on hiatus at the Loft. Brandy here runs the box office and she's in a few troops as well. And I'm in a couple of troops and I do the DJ and tech booth stuff i run lights and sound at the comedy loft and that's how we know jordan and that's it for us and i hope you've enjoyed this episode and look forward to some others thank you marvel heads bye well that's that i hope you enjoyed this week's episode everybody a special thanks and shout out to dave and brandy for taking the time to record this episode and also uh being willing to keep it to under 30 minutes and i think it's over 30 minutes including my ramblings but i appreciate them keeping it you know concise because i know that if they're anything like me they can talk about it for days and i do it's just sometimes i press record and that's when you can hear it um if you want to listen to dave and brandy further or farther i don't know the difference the Dark Corner Podcast is on Gentlemen's Grindhouse Records, so you can check them out there. Um, again, if you want to support the show and sign up for Loot Crate, uh, do it by going to mouthfulofmarvels.com, click on the support button in the upper right-hand corner, and start your subscription. They have different uh, subscription plans that are that are going to tickle your fancy, I'm sure. Okay, guys, we'll see you next week. We are Groot. Also, uh, we'll MC you later. Heh. <laughs> <laughs> Zoom.